my job as I see it is one, I'm, you know, I call myself a psychologist, but really I'm a growth promoter. Everything I do, I really try to help people grow. And I know with everything in me, the only thing that I can do to best help people do that is to have them experience some kind of meaningful connection to the work that I do and, and the concepts I'm trying to teach people about. Thriving Podcast, where we celebrate those who have overcome great adversity and examine the tools and techniques by which people grow and create lives that feel like thriving. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry Sunshine Novak, and I am super excited today because I get to introduce you all to my truly brilliant friend and colleague, Dr. Beth Trammell. Um, Dr. Trammell is a psychologist and Um, She has several projects going, uh, one of which is called Make Words Matter, Make Words Matter for Good. Um, She has a podcast associated with that project called Kids These Days Need Us to Make Words Matter for Good. Um, She has a website called Make Words Matter, which I am going to share my screen for just a moment and let you see. This is her website. And I wanted to share it because it's so comprehensive. I mean, this is the welcome screen, but if you get into about, there's an overview of her company and and the way that they work with teachers and parents and other types of educators, people who interact with children. There's their training options, their speaking options, resource centers um, where you can see their podcasts. Um, There's a book club associated. Uh, So check out this this uh, website, when you have a chance, it's makewordsmatterforgood.com. And um, Dr. Beth also has uh, a second podcast called Things I Learned in Therapy. So Beth, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. What a fun, I mean, intro. Wow. I mean, it's, (laughs) it's sort of like a little bit anxiety provoking to see all of that stuff out there. I know it's out there, but you know, it's like, you kind of put your website out there and you don't think anybody looks at it. And then suddenly you realize someone does. And then you're like, oh, maybe I should proofread that or something. Hey, I own make words matter t-shirts. So, (laughs) Hey, look, I'm so happy about that too. That makes Mm -hmm. my heart so happy. Well, you, I got to tell you, like, I mean, aside from all of her professional accolades, Beth's also a spouse and a mother and there's like, at least my perception always, because because Dr. Beth and I were in graduate school together. We uh-huh. sat next to each other in statistics classes. And, um, Dangerous. Yeah, yeah. And my perception from where I sat was I always felt, I mean, I'm like six foot tall, like 220 pounds. I'm a pretty big solid guy. And I always felt like small, like she and her husband are like world conquerors. I mean, he's a machine as well, right? Like, He's, he's definitely impressive people. So thank you um, for that. What a compliment. Thank you, Jerry. It's the truth. I adore you guys. Um, so please tell us a little bit, like, I mean, I introduced you, but talk, talk to us a little bit about what you do and how you've come to what you do and how we help people overcome adversity and grow and thrive. 
it's so um it's so interesting because I I you know I tend to be a reflector and and to a um a fault really I mean I spend a lot of time like pondering in my own mind I'm I'm naturally an introvert naturally um kind of an empath and now I've learned I'm a highly sensitive person so I have like all these like things going on in my head all the time um and I, I honestly am still learning that like most people don't do that you know most people don't have like lots of thoughts going through their head about all these like big deep things so anyway um I was kind of born and raised in Indiana and spent all of my life really just being a perpetual listener right so I'm the middle child of four. So I'm the lower end of the middle child. And, um, so I just, I just know I was just always sort of this person who preferred to just watch and analyze. And now it's kind of an occupational hazard. I try not to do that, but it's just really hard to turn it off. But I, um, yeah, I got, all of my degrees. I actually started in architecture. So my undergraduate degrees in architecture, I have a minor in Spanish and, um, yeah, I realized I needed to do more people focused things, but really my creativity, um, started very young and that's really what drew me to architecture and what I still love about architecture. But, um, the, the field of psychology is also very creative in therapy, especially, um, it it. takes, yeah, I mean, it just takes a ton of creativity, right? I mean, well, so much tell you that as having been on the client or the patient side of it and still um, for a lot of my life um, I have unfortunately encountered some clinicians who are a little less creative right things are manualized and and to me they're really missing the boat right like maybe people's scores on symptom screeners improve and maybe but in terms of really connecting like really touching a person's life and really getting into the nitty-gritty and creating the environment where they can be vulnerable and deal with shame and yeah I think you're hitting the the nail on the head you have to be creative and on the fly right like yes in the moment and you know I um, have certain family members who may listen to this and they might know who they are, but it, I drive them crazy because I'm on the fly so much, you know, and I've got four kids. And so I'm kind of raising, raising four kids and having a career and I live my world kind of on the fly. But for me, it's just been able to work that way. And I think it does pay off in therapy when you're with a client who you go into session thinking one thing, and then they tell you something else and you can't just stay on the path you thought you were going to be on, you have to be creative enough to still meet them where they are in a therapeutic way. So, yeah. yeah. So I would um, go even one further, you know, I'm a gestalt guy and I really enjoy like some of the psychodrama kind of stuff. And so if somebody has something that they're struggling to talk about, right, there's the whole, well, let's get up out of the chair. Let's enact it. Let's, you know, um, I used to have, um, you know, the um, elastic like exercise bands, Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Resistance so, bands. Yeah. Resistance bands. And I would have somebody like, you know, point to a corner of the room where they felt like their goal was right. What they wanted to achieve. And they would sort of like, you know, do something physical in that corner to demonstrate that they achieved their goal and have them get into a, the opposite corner of the room, which is their starting point and do something to enact how they felt their starting point. And then 
have them walk along the line from point A to point B to where they think they are now. And as they would list off all of the things that were in their way and preventing them from making progress, I would add another resistance band around them. And then I would hold the resistance bands and have them try to walk toward the goal, you know, while I was pulling them back. And you'd be amazed at how much gets dislodged in people's minds and spirits when they like can enact it that way. I couldn't agree more. You know, I think so much of what I do, I mean, I work mostly with kids and families. And so kids would much prefer to be moving around the room, playing, throwing, you know, a basketball back and forth or whatever. But a lot of the speaking stuff that I do is um, much more experiential based and not as much content based. So, you know, I do a lot of workshops for different companies and that sort of thing. And I had a friend once ask me like, well, what is the thing you talk about? And I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, I talk about, I mean, I, I don't think I, I rarely have something that it's like, this is my packaged thing that I do. You know, it's like the make words matter stuff. I do believe there are six essential skills. And I do talk about those essential skills when I, when I, you know, go do like a teacher training, for example, but it's never the same. I mean, even if I do two trainings for two sets of staff back to back one hour, half the staff, the other hour, the next staff, it's not the same training because for me, it's, it's not just, here's the content. It's how can I get you to experience this content in a way that you're going to walk away remembering it and learning and growing from it? Not just, oh, I, I went to this training and I learned this fact. Right. I, I um, you know, I, the thought that occurred to me when you said like a prepackaged kind of thing is what went through my head immediately is it's all content and no process. Right. I feel that way about manualized treatment too in psychotherapy. It's all content and no process. And, you know, I know you were, um, you did grad school in the um, educational psych department, right? Mm -hmm. Learning occurs through elaboration. If you can't elaborate on it, if it's just content, you don't, you don't absorb it, right? Like you don't digest it. Well, and even if we take it all the way back just to memory, right? Like I can't even get you to remember it if you don't make any kind of deep connection with it. You know what I'm saying? So like I teach college students too, graduate students and undergrads and and I'm even there just at the basic, like, just remember this stuff for me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and if they don't have some sort of meaningful connection to it, we just know in psychology, they're not going to remember it. And so my job as I see it is one, I'm, you know, I call myself a psychologist, but really I'm a growth promoter. Everything I do, I really try to help people grow. Yeah. And I know with everything in me, the only thing that I can do to best help people do that is to have them experience some kind of meaningful connection to the work that I do and, and the concepts I'm trying to teach people about. So this sounds really um, like apropos for people who have had trauma or like great adversity, because, you know, very often there's this, um, what I would call, I, I mean, I guess my judgment, if I'm owning it, it's my judgment, is that there's an, certain approaches to therapy that I would consider less sophisticated, yeah. where it's like, oh, well, just, if you just change, like you went through this terrible thing, but if you just change your thoughts about it, right? Like if you just tell yourself different things about it, you'll feel better about it. But the memories and the thoughts that like continue to persist because there is a deep emotional now, albeit you can call it a negative or unwanted 
you know, emotional connection, but there's a deep emotional connection to the trauma. And until it's replaced by a deep emotional connection to something that feels like recovery from the trauma, it just doesn't improve. No. And, you know, I think learning new behaviors or learning, you know, thought stopping techniques may be parts of that, sure. right? Yeah, it may absolutely. be an immediate relief thing, yeah. right? To where it's like, oh, okay, this weekend, I know I'm going to have this triggering event coming up. And so I need, I need like an additional tool, you know, but to your yeah. point, it's, if we don't kind of rewrite that narrative yeah. through a deeply emotionally healing uh, experience. I have a garage full of tools. You wouldn't want me to build you a house. Right? Like I don't have the skill set. I have the tools. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. And, you know, I talk about tools a lot too. You know, it's like one of our favorite metaphors is therapists or psychologists, right? It's like, we've got to come up with tools or I think it's just my aversion to the word coping skills. <laughs> This really makes me want to barf, Jerry. I mean, right. I'm just, I'm like, oh yeah, let's just learn you some coping skills. It's like, I know what you mean by that, but it's up there with self-care. But anyway, I, I talk about <laughs> tools, right? Well, <laughs> sorry. And, and yeah, I mean, for me, like the bastardization comes in because I'm like, we're often using those terms, talking to people who have actually been coping with things way worse than I've had to like, things that I probably wouldn't have the same grace they do coping with them, right? And I'm talking to them about coping skills. It, I mean, it feels very barfy to me. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Blurred, yeah. yeah. But, you know, I think the other thing I talk about when I talk with, with folks about tools is, um, you know, you don't ever walk into to someone's garage, for example, or their toolbox or whatever. And oh, they've tried this tool and it didn't work. So I better just put that tool in the dumpster. Right. <laughs> like, no, we just put that tool back. It just may not be the right job or the right time for that tool. But your job is not to, you know, get rid of all the tools that don't work in this moment. It's your job is to continue to gather the tools you need. You know, we just, we just laid a floor in um, one of those like vinyl uh, mm -hmm. floors, ripped up some carpet. And, um, you know, as I have gotten older and I have relied less and less on my dad to do all of the things for me, although I do still call him like, dad, this thing is happening in the bathroom. Can you just help me? God love him. Okay. So it's your own private I, YouTube. I, oh yeah, exactly. I mean, he is, he's an engineer. He's just like filled <laughs> with knowledge because he watches a lot of YouTube. Yeah. But so we um, decided we're going to lay this floor, right? And you, you know, the box says you need these, these tools. And of course we ignore it because we think, well, we've got some tools in the garage. And then you realize, oh, you know, over time you continue to gather more and more tools and then the job gets easier. And so I think as, as a therapist, I think part of the job is helping folks find how, what are the tools I need? Yeah. and then. How do I use those tools? And but then to your point, more others, right? some more than others, some are more effective right away. Some take a little longer, right? You can use like a handsaw to cut yeah. things. Sometimes you really just need the miter saw. But <laughs> I think the other thing that we're saying here is tools aren't the only, it's not it, right? Like you can't just come and just keep getting tools because the real power is also in the experience with the therapist that that helps healing and growth. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. My metaphor for tools is that um, just to share, because you were talking about, you don't throw it out if it didn't work. I usually say, you know, a hammer is a wonderful tool if you need to put in a nail. If you need to change a light bulb, you know, like maybe not so much. It's not going to work. It's not even close to the same. Right, right. But I think, I think, I think sometimes it takes that moment to have them kind of realize like, oh, that's why the breathing didn't work this time. Right. Oh, that's why I didn't feel better when I was doing all the things you told me to do. I still didn't feel better. It's not that you're crazy or stupid or you're all the way back at the beginning. It's like, okay, we just, we gotta, we gotta just process through that a little bit more. And, and if you've ever like, I mean, if you've ever taken a shop class, just to beat this metaphor to death, right? Like if you've ever taken a shop class, like uh, everybody's using the same tools and the same materials. And there's a big range of variability in how artistically one person makes their birdhouse to the next. Right. And so like, to me, if somebody's coming into therapy and whether they're paying out of pocket or insurance doesn't matter if I'm charging them, you know, $200 a session or, or $250 a session. And I'm just telling them things that they can look up online or get out of books for $14.99. I'm wasting everyone's time, right? If they come to me, you know, if we're discussing tools, then I should be at the level where I'm helping them use those tools with some artistry and some mastery, right? Not just discussing what the tools are. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I mean, Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I mean, if they can read it in a book or find it on TikTok, they don't need us. That's not the value of the therapy. That's absolutely true. Yep. Yeah. So um, I'm curious as to like a little bit of like, I mean, I don't know, you've got this like huge sort of like growing empire, right? With a website and two podcasts and a practice, right? And speaking engagements and t-shirts and sweatshirts. <laughs> I'm a mess, Jerry. I really am. <laughs> I mean, it, it so this is so this is how it goes, right? So mm-hmm. I probably have a little bit of ADHD too. Um, and I have lots of interests and I love lots of things. In fact, if you ask me like a favorite thing, I kind of have commitment issues about like. narrowing in on like one specific thing because I love so many things it's like I don't know what's your favorite restaurant I don't know it's like it depends Depends on on the day day. it may be one today and something different tomorrow Mm -hmm. so I started um doing mostly therapy with kids and families right I worked in residential treatment and then I worked in school-based programs and um I continued to see holes and services And so since I love so many things, I started trying to fill those gaps. It was like, okay, I'm, I'm finding that parents need a lot of support. And so I started doing parenting classes and I was doing parenting classes for a while. And then it was really hard to get people to come, you know, it's really um, challenging to first admit that your kid has a problem, much less sign up on a Tuesday at six o'clock in the evening and want to show up for a three session parenting class. And, and so and usually that requires admitting that your kid has a problem because of a shortcoming with your parenting approach. 
Absolutely. <clears throat> and so I knew the content that I had would be helpful because I'd seen it in my therapy room over and over. You know, I, I had been practicing for 10 or 12 years to that point. And the classes that I was teaching were just the group version of the thing I was doing over and over and over. It was like, I've got to be able to help more people. And so as I realized it was hard to get folks to um, kind of commit to do that, and I understood that, then I wrote a book. And so I took my class and the, the workshop, that three session workshop that I would do. And I recorded, I had a, a videographer come and record me doing this class. And now I have seven videos of me teaching these six skills that I think are critical to any adult who's around any kind of child to build connection. And then um, I still have that book, right? It's still available. And um, I, I, I didn't get, share it with the, the name. Of well, the that's part of the good and the bad. I, I mean, it's called Make Words Matter. And then there's a ginormous subtitle that I always have to kind of look. So <laughs> Make Words Matter. <laughs> 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 That's the problem. <laughs> Here it is. Make okay. words matter. Straightforward, logical parenting to take your kid from frustrating to connecting and listening. Okay. That's what it is. Where can people it's, find your book? It's like psychologists have enormous subtitles. So people can find it on my website. It's on Amazon, but it's $25 and you get seven videos of me teaching the content. So yeah. I thought, okay, you know, this is as this is as comprehensive as I can get in a $25 book for folks to read and really kind of process there's lots of like ref reflection prompts and you know you gotta like kind of think about things anyway so then the next step for me was realizing that people don't read as much as i read mm. and it can be hard to commit to that and i'm a parent of four right so i i can totally get behind um you know some folks just maybe it's hard for them to read like that. And so, uh, so I still do this for the folks who like to read. And then I thought, huh, what if we did a podcast where we can like talk to people and they can put it in their ear while they're yeah. taking a walk or listen in the pickup line. And so I took a lot of the stuff that I usually teach and I put it in a podcast and that's sort of the you know, again, like I am always looking for how can I best help people grow? Mm. Um, and I just want to try to meet as many people where they are as I can, uh, knowing that not everybody learns the same way and not everybody gets help the same way. Mm. That's actually a big chunk of the reason why I don't do therapy anymore. Um, I, I think there's great value in therapy. And I think um, people who need it should go and should shop around and find the right therapist for mm -hmm. them. That's incredibly powerful. But I was personally frustrated with <clears throat> this sort of one person at a time for an hour at a time approach and, and, and fighting with insurance companies to bring people just back to baseline, right? Not even to thriving, just a remission in symptoms. And, um, and I, like you, like my passion, I have lots of things I love. But all of them have, a, or most of them anyway, most of them have a common theme, which is wanting people like, like, yeah, the remission of symptoms is great. If you're suffering, I definitely don't want you to be suffering anymore. But really, I want everyone to be thriving. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like you, you know, I think what I love about your background that I don't have a similar background, but 
I think our hearts are in the same place that it's like, we can't just address this specific part of a person because we are, we're, we're complex beings, you know? And so for me, I always, I always, I always sort of like came up against like difficulty in seeing, I only have you for an hour, you know, like I've got to help you figure out how can you thrive the other seven days of the week, 24 hours a day outside of this. And so it's like, what are the kind of additional supports that, that you need to have? And maybe I can help create that you can kind of continue to thrive beyond just, you know, the remission of symptoms. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I used to tell people all the time, there's what, like 268 hours in a week or something. And like, I get you for one, if we're lucky, right. If it doesn't snow, <laughs> I get you. It for doesn't one. snow. And that also assumes that the entire 60 minutes is us doing deep, right. emotionally healing work. you know so really we're like yeah yeah so what other you know what other physical supports are you doing right how much other like how are you taking care of your physical health are you working out are you doing yoga are you doing things that are going to be you know strengthening your physical health and what about your social health how are you strengthening your social relationships and it's like your occupational your occupational health how are you so for me it was always like this is such a small chunk yeah. yeah. And, it's not and sustainable. Wanna, right. And, and I don't know, I don't want to speak for you, Beth, but I want to be clear from my standpoint, because I feel like we are sort of at risk of giving mixed messages, right? Because on the one hand, yep. he's great and valuable and wonderful. And on the other hand, here's a gazillion problems with it. Yeah. And so what I'm railing against in, in my mind and in my gut and in my soul is not so much therapy. What I'm railing against are the systems that govern therapy right? The sort of managed care. And I understand like the business side of things and that that needs to run, but the system um, is okay for some people, but it's not what everyone needs. And the inability to manipulate it or adjust it or change it based on people's needs is what I react badly to. Yeah. It's great. I couldn't agree more. And I'm glad that you're pulling us back to this because I think both of us would would never say a bad thing about someone going and getting therapy, yeah. individual therapy, couples therapy. I mean, I did individual and family therapy for for decades yeah. and would still say I'm, I would refer people to therapy yeah. over and over because it can be yeah. the path to wellness. I had a therapy appointment this morning from nine to 10. I was the client, right? Like I go. So, yeah. you know, it's I there's absolute value in it um there's just the again there are just things in the system that I didn't you know I think part part of making a meaningful life at least for me I don't again I don't want to speak for you but I I think we're like-minded in this I suspect part of making a meaningful life for me is I need to um you know, is a, my priority number one is helping people. I think it's just the most important thing you can do on planet earth. Right. Um, There are other things that are probably equally as important, like cleaning up the environment, taking care of animals, anything that leaves the planet a little better than you found it. Right. Um, And so for me, I have to find, there's lots of opportunities to do that, 
but I have to find the opportunities where I think I can have some impact. So when it comes to the systems that govern therapy, I could have gone into policy. I could have gone into the business side and worked with insurance companies and tried. I just couldn't imagine myself making impact there. I don't know how. I'm just not, that's not my mind and my energies. And so um, I hope that other people who are energetic do it. But for me, I, I got out of that environment and went into this coaching and thriving sort of approach. Yeah. And I think part of why, I mean, I think for both of us, it's there was always more need than qualified professionals to meet the need. And so I think I, I, I haven't done individual. Well, that's not true. Um, I sort of left group practice um, two years ago and have done, I've just do mostly consultation and training in the schools because I'm just trying to get more helpers to be trained in a way that can have impact because I know that the need is so great. So it's, you know, if I could train, you know, hundreds more therapists or teachers or parents to sub in as helping folks, not to, not to train people to be therapists who don't go through the formal training. That's not what I'm suggesting, but I think we need to continue to bridge the gap between those folks who are over here who need this level of services and those folks who maybe are over here who could benefit and thrive more greatly if we could get the folks around them to be able to, to kind of support them. So I think that is also kind of the struggle for me is I was always faced with, you know, I had a limited number of slots to see people and a wait list of six months and my schedule was booked out for six months. And it was like, I was seeing 14 clients in one day, back to back 45 minute time slots, as many as I could fit in. And that was fine. It was working, but it was still 14 people. I can't and not, not, not more than that. You know what I mean? At my most, I was doing 10 for an hour each. Yeah. And, um, it, and that's, it's a, that's a lot. And that's what I was going to say is it, I mean, it was wearing me out like physically and emotionally. Like I just didn't have anything left for my kids or for my own self. Yeah. Yep. It was and, a challenge. And, I can't, I can't remember where I read this or who told me, but the, the one changing point for me, like you're kind of saying, someone sort of asked me, or I read somewhere, like who gets the best version of me? Cause I'd come home exhausted and, you know, my kids know it's my life's work. My husband knows it's my life's work, but, and I loved my clients, but they were getting the best of me and my kids weren't. And so I had to really shift some things. And I, when my kids get older, maybe I'll come back to it and, and, and do something else. But I stopped working full-time because my kids needed me around more and I have zero regrets about it. I would do it like every day of the week, twice on Sunday. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, I love that. <laughs> so I'm with you. Um, I want to be mindful of our time because I know you have an appointment coming up and we've got what, maybe 10, 15 minutes yeah. left together. Yeah. So what I want to do is sort of like steer us toward, um, I want to make sure that there's an opportunity for whatever it is that you want to share with my very limited audience, <laughs> that you have an opportunity to do that. So, um, I mean, we've talked a little bit about 
you know, your, your website and your blog and some of the work you do. Um, I want to make sure that we don't um, run out of time for anything else that you really wanted to make sure you, you got in today and addressed an audience about. You know, it, it's really interesting because, um, you know, the last two years has really shifted everything on its side. I mean, at least from my perspective, because, you know, now more than ever, we're aware that mental health matters. Now more than ever, we're seeing people at emotional exhaustion in numbers that we've never seen before. Now more than ever, we know all of these things, right? And so we've got so many amazing resources out there for folks and I find it's not necessarily a lack of resources available to, for, for people to make themselves better, myself included, right? I'm going to put myself on the, I'm going to put myself on the hot seat here too, because as I mentioned, I have a, a 14 year old daughter, a 12 year old son, a, an eight year old son and a six year old son. And um, I think the thing for me that I'm noticing from people in these last couple of years is that somehow we all have to figure out how do I get the, the motivation, get the, mm, don't, motivation isn't exactly the right word, but how do I overcome all of the obstacles, all of the emotional fatigue that I have and have had over the last two years to continue to make myself a tiny bit better both for my kids, for my partner, for my boss, for, for whatever, right? Like I'm finding that it's just, we're sort of all in this place of, ugh, I just don't feel like it. I don't want to do it. And I I don't want for folks to look back on, on this time in a place of like, man, I should have done something else, you know? Right. Yeah. I I think of it as we, like, we don't, there's a lot of inertia and we don't get an off season, right? Like last night was the Super Bowl, right? So for oh, yeah. the last several months, anybody who plays professional football has been training their asses off, practicing twice a day, playing games, flying all over the country, right? Their life has been chaos for the last several months. Now the season's over and they have a few months of off season. They still need to work out and stay in shape and practice, but not to the extent that they will again come fall, right? Come September. We don't get that. No. Right. It's just, we had all this chaos for two years. And by the way, people in the NFL shared this chaos with us. I'm not trying to say they did it. Yeah. Yeah. But um, we had this chaos for two years and now it's like, well, just keep soldiering on. That's right. With no end in sight. You know, and I mean, I think as a parent, you know, you never take the parent hat off as a a spouse or a partner. You never really take that hat off. Um, And we've had a lot going on. And I think I find myself personally, and I talk to, uh, you know, parents, teachers, other folks that it's like, I sort of go back and forth between I deserve today to do nothing, right? Where I'm just going to like mm-hmm. lay on a couch and do nothing. And I'm going to call it self-care. <laughs> Barf. <laughs> if, you're not, if you're listening and you're not watching, you, you, you can imagine why face just did. Mm-hmm. So I, I waffle between that and 
I'm going to, I'm going to change the world. Right. right? Like I, I I've got to do something and how dare I waste all this time with my kids. And I, I can't just sit around and do nothing. I need to get up and I need to take them to every state park in the state of Indiana, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes the danger in that is that we, we don't find the, we don't find the middle right. because we're just like kind of flip-flopping. Yes. Right. And so I guess for listeners, it's, it's figuring out what your middle is and how you can create an environment around you. Mm-hmm. Um, that I would say probably includes some, some level of accountability partners or accountability, something or other yeah. Um, yeah. To, to kind of maintain that because all of us can do something like that for a day or two where you're finding that balance. And then we tend to sway back one way or the other. And, and for me, like, so for me, the, the, again, like metaphor, or I guess it's not even a metaphor, really. It's just the approach to that, that I think is really useful. Because what struck me when you were talking about taking a day to do nothing versus changing the world is I, I too, I suffer from this, from this dilemma of extremes. Oh yeah. All so, or nothing for sure. Well, and for me, like all or nothing. Okay. But when I'm in the moment, like if I choose all, it feels like too much. Oh, yeah, if I choose nothing, sure. it feels like not enough. Yeah, right. totally. And so I go back to, you know, I'm, a, I'm also, I have a certification as a personal trainer. So, and I've been a personal trainer since like 1997 or eight. And so I have a lot of experience with that. And so if I go back to say the football example, if I'm training a football player or a football team or whatever, um, there's, there's the very micro specific, like what they're going to do in each workout, but there's also what we call a macro cycle. And the macro cycle looks at the entire year. And it looks at like during this point in the year, we have to really, and usually it's a, a month or two before the season starts, we have to really amp up the training so that we can then amp it down right before the season starts. So you can recover because that's when mm. the benefits come in and mm-hmm. then you're ready for the season. During yeah. the season, we have to have an intensity of training that keeps you optimally fit, but doesn't get you injured or burned out or anything like that. Then when the season's over, we can have a period of consistent but lighter training, right? And so I think I, I've, I've failed at this over and over again. I'm not saying I, I have this down. I'm awful at it. But I suspect that there is a way to sort of micro cycle what macro cycle what you're talking about right like like when can I lie on the couch and do nothing versus when do I need to be hectic and busy versus when am I family oriented so that when I'm in the moment and I am lying on the couch doing nothing I'm not guilt-ridden because I'm not doing enough it was actually built into the plan right and when I am hectic and crazy I'm like oh my god this is brutal I can look at the plan and be like well but it's only for two more weeks right like and like I said, I'm awful at it. I am not the example to follow, but, but I do. I like, I, I have this dilemma of either it's too much or it's not enough. And I think the middle ground might be in zooming out and looking at it over a, a bigger period of time. I think you're absolutely right. And I think people can probably appreciate hearing two psychologists being like, we both suck at that. I mean, I'm, I, it's exactly what I suck at too. You know, I, I, I watch these webinars, which only create more havoc, but you know, you watch this webinar on creating your 
your business plan for the whole year. And I'm like, I don't even know what my business plan for tomorrow is. I, I think I'll sell more sweatshirts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, it's like, I don't know. It, so, so I hope oh, that people can yeah. hear in this, like two, two very highly trained people in a lot of different areas, right? We both have trainings in like a hundred million areas or something. And we're still like, yeah, that part, that's still really hard. Yeah. Well, here's the irony of that statement, Beth. The irony is that if I was better at moderation, I probably wouldn't have a PhD. <laughs> I wouldn't be doing any of the things I do right. if I was better at that. Yeah. So it's very true. Very so different. in some ways, but but see, isn't that isn't that sort of the blessing and the curse, right? Because then you're like, yeah, well, I was created with this sort of like skill set, right? So like, should I just like waste the skill set that I know I I have? Right. to just like operate on like this weird level or something. I don't know. And I wish I knew the answer to that because I could argue both sides, right? I could argue that it's a real sin to waste it if you've got it. And I could also argue that it's okay to not always want to, even though you've got, right? If I was a gifted musician, does that mean that I have to sing every waking moment or can I take a break once in a while? It is, it was actually in grad school. My mantra was just because I can, doesn't mean I should. Right. Just because I can, doesn't mean I should. And, and sometimes I still say that, like, cause you know, I want to help everyone. And so people will email me and I'm like, oh man, that kind of conflicts with a thing that I, you know, or, oh, I've got this. And I, and I tell myself just cause I can, doesn't mean I should. Yeah. I, I gotta tell you like this podcast and the blog that I write are unsophisticated attempts at trying to sort of like maximize like so my my and what's in my head is you and I spend about an hour on this conversation I'm going to spend you know another hour maybe just editing it putting in the music the bumper music whatever and putting it out on YouTube and such and hopefully with that two hours of effort I'll reach a hundred people right? Instead of two. And so, you know, same thing with the blog. And so it's my attempt at trying to be a little more efficient so that I don't have to like, so that it's okay for me to take a break because my reach has been expanded a little bit, hopefully. And, and in a way that's beneficial because expanded reach that's not beneficial is, you know, I mean, I guess it could be entertainment, but why, why bother? You know? I couldn't agree more. And Maybe we'll make it 105. That would be amazing. You have to share it with, you have to share it with 103 if we're going to get to 105. <laughs> hey, you know what? We can. I'll share watch it. it. My partner will watch it. You got right. the rest is on you. I mean, me and my parents, maybe. All right, awesome. <laughs> we're at four already. <laughs> World conquerors. <laughs> yep. I think we've accomplished it today. I think we did it. I'm so grateful that you came on. I, I really, this has been a wonderful conversation. I feel like we had a, a, a really, truly wonderful conversation when I was on your podcast, which will be coming out soon. It's going to be, yeah, this week. Yeah. yeah. And I've, I, you know, it's funny, like we go on with it, we graduate school, we go on with our lives. And I didn't realize until we sat down to record your podcast a week or two ago, how much I missed just like seeing you a couple times a week and being able to talk and laugh and you know 
and just have, you know, conversations with other kind of like-minded people that are just invigorating, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. So let's take the last couple of minutes here. Tell people where they can find you, where they can reach out to you, where they can get your book, where they can hear your podcasts, plural, do more than one. Weird. Um, and then I'll, I'll, uh, I'll pimp out my, my social media stuff and we'll, we'll call it a wrap. Off we go. That sounds great. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah. And thanks for inviting me. What a, oh, what a fun what afternoon, a really. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, you already talked about my website, make words matter for good.com. Um, my two podcasts can be found um, on just about every place that you usually find a podcast. Um, links are on my website, though. Um, my book, I sell sweatshirts and t-shirts, which just randomly, you know, it's like, why not just have a, a cool shirt that mm-hmm. like represents something cool? And honestly, the interesting thing about the shirts so if you go on my website, you'll see they're just sort of like make words matter for good kind of sayings and they're kind of inspirational. But what I find is that they really are behavior changing. You know, I go to like my son's basketball games and I realize I'm wearing my shirt that says, you know, make words matter for good and, you know, speak life, speak truth, that kind of thing. And it's like, oh, I better not say what I think in my mind about that call by the referee. Anyway, um, I've They're started doing soft too. They're really good shirts. They, they really are. I mean, I found a guy who really pointed me in the direction of some really high quality stuff. That's yeah. yeah I just really love it. So, um, I've started doing TikTok, um, which still kind of scares me, but trying to reach a, a younger kind of teenage audience, um, again, trying to meet people where they are. And so, I'm Dr. Beth therapist on TikTok, and I do have Instagram and Facebook. So people can follow me on any of those places too. Right. And so it's Tremel, T-R-A-M-M-E-L-L. That's Dr. right. Beth Trammell. Yep. Um, and so uh, for, for uh, my content, um, which I will be sharing some of Dr. Beth's podcast episodes on my um, social media. So hopefully that there'll be a little cross cross interest there. Um but uh, so I have three Facebook communities. I have um, a group called Growth and Thriving After Trauma. I have a group called Thriving Fathers Parenting After Trauma and a group called Leadership Skills for Survivors. Uh, this podcast, which I am so grateful for everyone who is watching or listening, I appreciate your time and I know it's a valuable, valuable commodity. And I, I love that you choose to spend some of it uh, listening to or watching what I put out. And so on YouTube, the channel is um, Growth and Thriving LLC on YouTube. Uh, the podcast is called the Growth and Thriving Podcast. The audio versions are available on Apple, on Google, and on Spotify. And my blog, which is a little, it's similar in content, lessons learned and such, looking at my life um, and my choices and my path, but it's a little lighter, a little funnier. I swear a lot. And the name of the blog is what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> the website is what the FK am I doing.com. So check that out if you like. And please, please, if you like any of this content at all, uh, mine or Dr. Beth's, please share, subscribe, comment. It, it helps us out and we want to reach as many people as we can. So Beth, thank you so much. And thank uh, you. For the moment, this is Dr. Jerry Sunshine Novak saying, keep growing until you're thriving.